Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming The Tully Show. And also, I want to take a quick second to say thank you, everyone who has endured some pretty challenging audio, specifically Zoom audio, over the last year plus. Obviously, that has not been a problem specific to this show, but at times it's been uh, <laughs> a fairly pronounced issue here. Thank you so much for toughing it out. I would like to believe we are finally on the other side. I am so excited to have Mark McGrath back on the show, as always. I'm sure you are, too. I am. I'm just as excited. Well, let's be honest. I'm even more excited that he was here in person in my house. And we did a face-to-face interview, the first face-to-face Tully Show interview as God intended in well over a year. And I think it's fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. I'll get that going in a second. First, a very quick reminder, if you want more music talk, I'm putting up a music-themed podcast just about every week on top of all the other stuff at my Patreon. Today, I'm doing uh, this month's edition of Bands You Might Like, the concept, pretty self-explanatory. I've got three or four bands lined up that I like that I think you might like. I'm willing to bet if you listen to this show, there'll be at least one band that you had never heard before that you agree you like. Try me. Tell me I'm wrong. Patreon.com slash Mike Tully. Patreon.com slash Mike Tully. See you there. Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, Your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, Coming to you live, on tape, on location, in rapidly gentrifying Culver City adjacent California, from an above ground basement, boasting a fully obstructed view of the world famous Hollywood sign. I meant to point it out to you, trust me, it's there. This is The Tully Show, I am your host Mike Tully, joining me today in person, the lead singer of Sugar Ray and three-time champion of rock and roll Jeopardy. Hello and welcome back. I'm going to say it again, in person, the first time I'm seeing you, I realized this morning, in over a year. At least a year. Hello and welcome back. Mark McGrath. Thank you, Tully. It's such a joy to see you, to be in your presence. You know, being the presence of Michael Tully, you just get smarter. You know, there's some kind of osmosis that comes off this Oxford brain of his. And so what we do here... Mm -hmm is so much more effective when I can see you. I know. The emotional, you know, the, the nonverbals. And I yeah. think it's really going to feel the tone mm-hmm. and the effort and basically the success of this show that we're back together. I think again. this is going to be the greatest show. And no pressure, but I believe this will be. It's, it's peaches the best. and herb. The peaches <laughs> and herb. Reunited. Reunited. There you go. How many peaches were there? Uh, there was at least three. Yes. At least three. Did he, were there any peaches that he didn't marry? No. <laughs> <laughs> That was part of the contract. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Peaches and herb. Yeah. That's yeah. That was a, that was the original 360 deal. Yeah. Because- oh, absolutely. Oh, he, he was way ahead of the majors on that one. <laughs> He's like, you want some of this herb? You're going to be peaches? I saw, I don't know. Is there still a peaches and, and herb? I saw, I saw, I think the final form of peaches and herb at an Art LeBeau radio Valentine's concert. Oh, like down the dramatics, the-, the shy lights and you- like the stylistics and peaches and herb. If absolutely. Positively. And yeah. I and saw, it was probably I saw a great night, model. wasn't it? I mean, uh, well, yes and no, because I, I, I forgot how the old circuit works, you know? Right and um, the turn the turnaround of the ex- I'm looking at that bill and I'm just like how are these tickets not like three thousand dollars right 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 and when there's zero to one original members of acts that's part of the reason why and that's not even always the worst case scenario sometimes when there's four original members that's right 
That's right. I remember, I can't remember her name, and it's good because I don't want to personally disparage her. Like a, an 80s R&B pop chanteuse who was still trying to do like a, like leg kicking, sort Ooh. of sort of like a, a form of dance martial arts that I think had flown in music videos at a certain point. <laughs> And it wasn't having the same effect as it did in this no, video. She, these were not these were not landing anymore. They also do a quick turnaround where they have the one band. Yeah. You know, and they have sort of these like these suits that are all they're matching suits that are just not of maybe the highest quality tailor. Yeah. You could tell that the guy before had the same suit. Most definitely. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a wrinkle from the night before. Or so right. but <laughs> at the at the essence, there's the uh-huh. uh, the songs. Right. Maybe the, the guy songs. got maybe the guy got the gig because he's both a baritone and a size thirty four. And waist. a forty four forty four <laughs> large, right? Exactly. <laughs> but you know it's the songs baby it's the songs that keep them coming back that's why we're talking about it and that's why i still have a career you know what i mean one day that would you would you ever just have to say this is not the same experience and and i don't know if i can if if i can continue being a guy when people are expecting a certain thing and then and i know i'm no longer delivering that obviously financially people are going to do what they're going to do like uh i looked up oh god who is it uh dean martin's you know jerry lewis's kid uh, desi dino and uh no 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 that's no jerry oh, lewis's oh, 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 oh the, the, gary uh, lewis. this diamond ring doesn't carry lewis and playboys i'm if you're wondering who put the hit on um count me in performed live at a, some county fair yeah by by gary lewis and the playboys three months ago that was me i'm not wondering i knew it was yeah, you. And I, <laughs> i'm just saying i would have been a little disappointed if i had He's still he's still alive. Gary Lewis has got to be. Well, God, Jerry Lewis is still alive. No, Jerry Lewis passed, but not that long ago. Was there any kind of hurrah that he passed? I mean, no. how, how come I don't know this? Really? Did he, did he pass during the pandemic? No, 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 no. The last thing that came out from him was a, the most curmudgeonly interview, interview of all time. When he was done. sucking in that lozenge and going, no. What's next? Yeah. No, Gilbert I'm not Go- going to answer Gilbert that. Godfrey does an incredible- Oh, does he really? Yeah. Oh, and he does the lozenge. Oh, now I got to go, go he see passed, that. He passed in 2017. Oh, okay. So I'm only four years behind. But you know- uh, It never, was not big news. Never been the most topical. But yeah, no, he was gigantic. I mean, for, in terms of Hollywood royalty, Jerry Lewis is kind of the last of that vaudevillian, you know what I mean? He's it's last crazy. of an error, for they sure. They were the biggest movie stars in the world, he and Dean, for like four or five years. I was talking about- the, God, it's crazy. I'm glad we found each other because I was talking about this at some length on one of my solo podcasts the uh-huh. other day. Almost everything that was that big that recently still resonates in the culture. You can find an Elvis Presley t-shirt. Sure. You can find Marilyn Monroe. You can find Frank. Sinatra. Yep. Martin and Lewis were as big as you can get. As big as you get. With all the movies, there it was Bing Crosby. It was it yeah. was Crosby and Hope. It was Martin Lewis. Yeah, you know ex- what I mean? Ex- ex- and, and does anybody... I, I, when I was a kid, I heard Martin and Lewis. I knew who Dean Martin was, and I knew who Jerry and Lewis, Jerry Lewis was, and I didn't know that Martin and Lewis they were was them. Right. I thought that this was like Gilbert and Sullivan, like a songwriting team from the 1890s. Right. They Is left it- no impression. Everybody just wants to pretend it didn't happen. And if you go and watch one of the movies, with good reason. Yeah, I mean, but what they kind of made their bones as as a comedic duo, yeah. and then they made the movies. Kind of like they they came; they were the last breath of vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis and uh, Dean Martin. They, mm-hmm. That's where they were the young. They were vaudevillian. That's how they came together. So they were playing theaters. And they found each other as a comedy duo, and then they made all those bad movies. But you know, their, their movies were meant to be bad, like the Elvis Presley movies. Let's put it out there. People come. The teeny boppers will come. They'll look at Dean Martin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's why there's not a lot of, you know, maybe 
uh, artistic, no. creative aesthetic to them. But you know, they served its purpose for the time. They didn't last, but certainly the personalities did. Like you said, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, we talk about them today. Yep, yep, yep. And and uh, obviously, it made some impression on the French. Oh, I mean, they gave him the highest uh, uh, medal you can give a a person. Yes. Did you? What was what civilian that honor? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm already on Jerry Lewis's uh, Wikipedia page. But he's the so. only he's the only guy that wasn't a Frenchman that received this honor, I believe. Let's see. Right, right, right. Because this wasn't an exaggeration. I don't know how big David Hasselhoff really was. In <laughs> was he the number one biggest pop star in Germany? I don't know. I think he just had some success there. Well, he had a song called Freedom. When the wall came down. Oh my God. So it was a perfect storm of Hasselhoff and freedom. He received two of France's highest honors in 1984. He was a, a membership in the Legion of Honor and a commander in the Order of Arts and Letters. Which is like, you know, a national honor. Like they shut the they shut the, the country down. They yeah. put the, put it on TV. Nobody's it's a whole going, thing. Nobody's going to school today. That's right. Jerry, Jerry Lewis, Lewis is coming. He's getting an award. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that interview, man! And now you, now you got me thinking about it. And I got to see the Gilbert uh, Godfrey thing because I love him. That's great. That's yeah, fantastic. he's he's really he's really terrific. Uh, okay, let's see. I want to talk to you about new music releases from May of 1981. But first, since you and I last spoke. They have the um, the inductees of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I always find uh, an annually aggravating exercise for lots of reasons that everybody who listens to me knows, so I'll go over them briefly. Who says this is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Who decides who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? How many RBIs did Tina Turner have in 1984? <laughs> How are we measuring this? <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, obviously it was created by Jan Leonard and Rolling yeah. Stone, and it's... <laughs> It's a big jerk off of the record industry. It's a money maker, you know. Um, it's another pat on the back. How arbitrary is this thing? And who? You're right. I mean, why? Why is? Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad that a a huge wrongdoing was made right, and the Go Go's finally being in. I mean, I I I don't know what your feeling is that. I'm sure you're, I'm about to hear it. But if you there's a documentary on the Go Go's that's doing its rounds right now mm -hmm. on TV. Did you see it? I tried and failed to interview Jane Weedlin about it. Weedlin, 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 yeah, Weedlin. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so I never got around to watching it because. Well, how, how'd you fail? Oh, you uh, reached out to her. Were I you close out, on the yeah, hook? Yeah, I was. I was. What happened? I I don't I don't know how because I also wanted to speak to the director because she had not one but two big music documentaries that came out over the past 12 18 months allison elwood made the eagles documentary that was so gigantic well regarded and then she made a documentary a related subject the laurel canyon music scene of the 60s and 70s and that came out not very long three, was that the months. one where jacob dylan was kind of the uh the, the the glue that held everybody together like they were playing have you seen that Laurel? There's two separate things. These are no, no. These are I, that might well be the same one. Gotcha. I don't think they were Be two. Beck's in it. Like what mm -hmm. happened is like new bands like Hiam and Beck were playing the old songs of the Laurel Canyon lore. Oh boy, gotcha. Yeah, I mean you know it it it, it was sweet. It sure. was sweet. It was done sure. with love. Okay, so heart. I didn't see the Go Go's documentary. I was a okay you. What would the doc? Because because I I look at the Go Go's and I'm a fan. I yeah. I got. I had a vacation on a 45 
when I was a kid. Uh-huh. To me, we're talking about three songs. We're talking about Our Lips Are Sealed, Vacation, and We, we Got, got the, the Beat. beat. Yeah. And I don't even know how seminal Vacation is in the minds of people other than myself. Yeah. So what would this documentary illuminate that to me a very limited discography would not? I think what it would show you is they're, they're well, obviously their first girl group to ever go to number one. Okay. Have a number one record. The first girl group that to write their own songs and be a group and go to number one. So that that is just, you know, that that kicked the door down for everybody. Uh Gwen Stefani, anybody after any success, Pink. Are, you know, it's the go-to to go back to the promised land Mecca to say, these are the girls that you know influenced me. So mm-hmm. you can kind of gauge their influence on today's music. Belinda Carlisle was in the Germs, believe it or not, the punk rock band, right. the Germs. Yeah. So the punk rock credibility is completely there. They couldn't play when they started. They turned into wonderful songwriters. Um, they've kept this band together a long time, are still playing, know, know where they live uh, in terms of uh, where people want to see nostalgia. Uh, and it's fascinating because they all had these massive drug problems and they all partied their asses off. They didn't know that, uh, I think it was Vic, uh, one of the, the uh, Charlotte was addicted to heroin through like the whole rise of the Go-Go's. They didn't even know. And they found out she had a heroin problem. There's just it's a very compelling documentary because they have a lot of footage uh, of the time, um, and, and it's it's very revealing and, and and warts and all type of thing with the Go Go's. It will make you a, a fan of them. Now this is going back to the K Rock phenomenon you and I always talk about. Yeah. To me, the Go Go's have 45 hits because I grew up in K Rock in in uh, in Los Angeles. So the catalog is so deep to me, they're an obvious choice. But I'm just giving so, you, you, you... Was there a period of time where you would have listened to Beauty and the Beat front to back? Oh, God, yes. Okay. Oh, God. In fact, the Go-Go's and Adam Ant were my first concert experience. Oh, that's that's solid. Yeah. So there's there's an emotional component there, but I want to stay away from that to get, kind of give you the facts. Yeah. yeah first right. first girl band ever write their own songs, have a number one album. Okay. Because that that alone might put you there. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent when we're talking about halls of fame of this is not i'm assuming many people will understand the the baseball analogies uh eddie murray was the first baseman for the baltimore orioles when i was a kid he hit 290 every year he had 111 rbis he played a solid first base maybe won a gold glove or two and he stuck around long enough he got 3,000 hits and he went to the hall of fame i believe yep and based on the standards that were established he belonged there nobody ever said "Ooh, eddie murray's coming to town i gotta get a ticket to go to that to that game so i think a short burst particularly when we're talking about rock and roll where you're supposed to shine bright and flame out if you're doing it right (laughs) right i i do think that a short burst can justify inclusion for example i would not be surprised if someday uh alanis morissette is in the rock and roll hall of fame on the basis of one album and one album alone yeah but i was going to say before you said all of what you just did that all of the people who were nominated and did not get in i would consider or almost all of them as deserving, if not more deserving, than the Go-Go's. So Tina Turner goes in solo, fine. Jay-Z goes in solo, of course. Todd Rundgren goes in. I'm still not 100% clear on that, but yes. But all the production, you know there, you, I, got, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I know as an artist, but you know, he's had a massive impact yes, sure. on music. You, right, you, right. You, if you're going to start letting those type of guys in, you got to let Todd Rundgren in. If you're letting those guys in, Todd Rundgren's at the front of the list. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, The Foo Fighters, of course, in their first year of eligibility. Mm -hmm. I love that Carol King is in. I do too. I I just said Alanis Morissette even That's a good Carol King analogy right there. Yeah. Because 
Carol King, just gigantic record tapestry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and kind of dropped out, you know, and just kind yeah. of faded away and that was it. Yeah. Um, but again, I think Carol King also wrote so many songs for other people. Yes. Where uh, Alanis had this giant record and kind of flamed out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, did Alanis Morissette influence a lot of other w- girls? That I, I'm probably. Oh my! Right? Oh, that's to me. That's undeniable. Yeah. She she is the string from. Well, Ani DeFranco is the original Alanis Morissette, and if Ani Without DeFranco massive success, if yeah. Ani DeFranco is able to walk around with a smile on her face, then she is a, a testimony to the human spirit and possibly some really good psychotherapy as well. Because, <laughs> well said. Because Alanis Morissette just fucking drank her milkshake and 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 sanded down the raw edges to make it mall ready. Every girl you know how like every rock person even people i would never think like the ramones yeah. just like the ramones changed that's my right. life that's right there's not a girl under uh, uh a certain age who like like every girl who likes music loved jagged little pill absolutely it's crazy i was with jason ellis and the jason ellis show today and alanis morissette came up for some reason and katie his wife was like actually that's a really good album and katie is the most black metal right, sure, stuff yep it's yeah. just, it was so it's undeniable. Yeah. It was so monumental and, and it hit a nerve too, right? You know, you yeah. hit that, that zeitgeist, you know, and then the Meredith Brooks and Apollo Coles followed her. Cause then the yeah, labels yeah. got to jump on that, that phenomenon. Yeah, it yeah. Wasn't massive. If those two end up in the rock and roll hall of fame. Blow, yeah, no, that's going to that be place up. Yeah. That's Sugar Ray's next. <laughs> <laughs> but let me see the people who were, uh, so, so yeah, Carol King, Tapestry, I, that one to me and Back in Black were these albums that were, on the Billboard Top 200 chart for years, ever, forever. People who were not born when that That's album came right. out were going to record stores, and that had, was still moving enough units that it was on the charts, lingering somewhere in the mid 100s. Teenagers that bought that record were having kids when <laughs> right. that thing was still in the top 200. You know, it's That's a, exactly. It's right. one of those. Lou Adler produced it, who's just his Hollywood pedigree is is unparalleled. It's perfect on all levels. It also is such the soundtrack of the 70s. There's oh, yeah. songs off that record. And I'm old enough to remember when it was on the radio that are just so classic and it's it's pretty much a perfectly written and sounding uh record also of the times you yeah. know what i mean it's yeah. a reflection of the times as well i love her version of uh you make me feel like a natural oh woman. yeah it's amazing because the aretha one is obviously well it's great because it's great because it's her signature song one of her two signature songs and because she's an amazing vocalist and obviously the whole other issue of being a woman and being african-american mm-hmm. claiming something with that vocally and lyrically there's a ton in that but she is a natural force of nature to listen to her sing well of course you're a natural woman carol king with her wispy little voice is in some ways more powerful because her voice is not powerful absolutely it's the it's the antithesis to the bombastic you know talent of aretha and it's it's her you know it's here like lilting down laurel canyon singing her version of it but it has the same impact and power i I totally agree rage against the machine okay yeah i'm trying to find the people who didn't get in so go-go's or rage let's start there to me it's 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 oh god we I'm almost like a contradiction of myself when, mm-hmm. it, when, it, when you come to the nominees and those who are, are getting in and inductees and nominees. But Rage Against the Machine has one record. Some would say two, but I would agree. I mean, you know, look, Bulls on Parade could have been on the first record. Mm-hmm. They just had it, you know, and then Bulls on Parade really, really was the, 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 the linchpin, the cornerstone of Evil Empire. Yep. 
you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the first record's untouchable to me. Yeah. It's beautiful. It started. Rage Against the Machine did this amazing trick. They make you not call them a rap rock band. That's, That's right. how great they are. No, they transcended it. They, they are a rap rock band. No, yeah, yeah. In the same way. Zach that, raps. Yeah. End of story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in but the same no way one that, calls them a rap rock band. That's well, an, it's like a, the, the devil made you the, the trick that he's not alive. That's, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing trick. Guns N' Roses transcended hair metal yep. despite being a hair metal band, and Rage Against the Machine transcended rap rock despite being a rap rock group. If you call them rap rock, you're going to smack in the face. They are, all he does is rap. Yeah. So it's an incredible but testament. Tom made his guitar a turntable. Come on. Well, that too. Yeah. But it's a incredible testament to the players in that band, yeah. also the songs mm-hmm. and the impact. And Rage Against the Machine, this is going to sound blasphemous. The first time I heard the record, I almost threw it out the window. I'm like, just did rapping. And I knew Zach a little bit from breakdancing in Orange County. Yeah. So I'm like, this guy's rapping. And it was just, it was blasphemy because rap was Cool Mo D. It was EPMD. It was untouchable. And it was also going through the vanilla ice period where white guys rap and was kind of looked at as, you know, yeah. you know, unless your name was third base. Um, so it took me a while. And then I saw him open for House of Pain. And I felt so bad for House of Pain having to take the stage after Rage Against the Machine just el- they elevated the Santa Monica Civic. I, I haven't, I've yet to see a live experience like that since. It was unbelievable. It was transcendent. And maybe go reinvest in the record and then, oh, I got it. Yeah. You had to see Rage live to get the record on Who? Uh, see, I had a different experience because I didn't have that background. I, re- I firmly recall my high school cool taste in music girlfriend being over her music snob friend's house in his room <laughs> and him putting that on and just and i was listening to the london suede and the most foppish yeah. morrissey ripoffs yep. and still being like okay wait now hold, who the right. fuck is this this you're is all soup in- dragging out you're yeah, like but, i'm not even playing this game no but i thought it was incredible it really it really really uh well the riff spoke to you as a guitar player probably right it was just so goddamn powerful. It yeah. just felt so right on. You know, I always use the example of the bomb track riff, which it's just it, boom, 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 it just couldn't be more it's, straightforward. And and it, it, again, I'll, I'll use the slash thing. Slash goes like this is a this is lunkhead one hundred one shit. But when you Rolling when it, Stone, when it comes from a real real place, you just make something that's old, new, new again, again, fresh yeah, again, and fresh. Yeah, who are I'm curious musical artists that you've seen in the flesh well i don't know how it is some bands just sound a lot better on on stage can does anybody come to mind for you i was on you mentioned the germs i was interviewing who what remains of the germs shane west did you interview shane west he's the guy that sang for the germs on the reunion remember yeah. the movie came out oh yeah no i did i did yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, you interviewed shane you did I interviewed the whole band including okay. him so he i wonder how much they let him speak you know what i mean because pat was obviously there don Bowles. yeah yeah and um uh, was she still alive at that time the, the, the bass player i think so yeah i think she was too i, I think i had everybody in the, so they had made the movie and he had portrayed darby in the movie and was a real real method actor and so, did a serviceable job because that can bear i can border on parody so quickly yeah and so they went out on tour with him as the singer and yeah he he did press i think i probably have the audio somewhere i think he spoke and i don't remember that there was a ton of eye rolling i think they were i got the sense that pat smear was like yeah I'll look hey man we're back on the road yeah, you know it's right. cool we're making a few bucks but i'm sitting there maybe about to roll with the germs and 200 yards away helmet come on stage and the helmet's been through all sorts of permutations so it's page plus whoever right. he whoever's up to snuff with page right. this week and we all just sat there and it wasn't like ooh, i never really liked unsung now i like unsung it was just oh my 
God, that band is so tight and so powerful. And I can't think of a better testing ground for that. You walk around Warp Tour, here's all these bands. They're all good. They've all made it out of their hometown. They're all selling records. They've all got followings, but one band. And they're all using the same PA. Right, right. One band is just so much better. And and not because it's Steve Vai and he's playing a million notes. Like, no, right. Um, I can play sure. unsung. Sure. It's just not going to sound... Like Paige playing unsung. Have you, you mentioned Rage. Does anybody else? No, but Hel- Helmut's a great example of that because the the and I think I think I've heard Paige even mention they they can't get that live sound on the record because there's a technicality in their playing. It's yeah. almost a jazz metal. That's what he always it, says. Yeah, it's off time, but it's on time, so it grabs your attention. You're like, what is that? You know. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard to recreate, but definitely Rage was that band for me. I didn't get it at first. I know it's blasphemous to say. I got to qualify myself. I didn't get it at first when I heard it. Then I saw it live and it made all the sense in the world to me. Um, but in terms of like live bands that like, uh, there, there's a few, there's a lot, a lot of like the throwaway punk bands that sound, they're just more fun live, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're not significant in the discussion we're having. So let me see the other artists who did not make the rock and roll hall of fame, despite having been nominated, whatever the hell this process is now or ever. What is the process? That's a really good question well there's supposed to be a fan component but there uh-huh. isn't a fan component. now i don't think Dad, there's something so. like we're 10 lucky fans get in there and- oh great i don't know either there's uh the musical excellence award i think is how they just honor people that they think should have won that didn't so ll cool j the fifth beetle billy preston um randy rhodes are all in there what is that what do you mean that's just some sidebar award you get like that's not part of the ceremony. Uh, no. Uh, this LL, does that, does LL, that mean you're never going to be part of the Hall of Fame? No, I think... Here you go. Craftwork is being recognized with an early influence award. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame finding a different way to get them in may be seen as the inner circle saying, if the general votership won't do the right thing after repeated opportunities, we will. This okay, is according so that, to Yahoo that, Entertainment. And the same goes for LL. So Kraftwerk and LL are members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think so, yeah. But that's what they're saying. Look, we're going to have to like bypass mm-hmm. the normal entries in because you're just not getting it. And we are the ones that are the curators of this Hall of Fame, and we want them in. Yeah, ultimately, I think it's just a museum that charges people admission, and you, oh, it is. And you just decide what you you know if if, yeah. if if the if the powers that be aren't going to put Picasso in, but Picasso would sell tickets. Right. Picasso's just getting in. It's another revenue source. Yeah, exactly. So Kate Bush doesn't make the cut. To me. I'll take Kate Bush over the Go-Go's. I wasn't there. Yeah, no, Kate Bush, those are fighting words for a lot of people because Kate Bush, man, she, she everybody loves Kate Bush. That one album is so freaking it, good. It's phenomenal. You have Maxwell covering Kate Bush. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Andre 3000 from Outkast saying it's one of his favorite artists. I mean, she's just transcends music. Yeah. You know, she the existence is, of Tori Amos, period. Yeah, no, exactly. And a lot of Tori Amos-esque acts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I... Uh, those are fighting words, you know, but I will take the, if I was in Europe, I'd take Kate Bush. If mm-hmm. I'm in America, I'm taking the Go-Go's. Devo, don't make it. I don't, I don't really have a strong feeling about that one way or another. I'm surprised. I feel like the cool people always want to include Devo know, and stuff. They seem like an easy yeah. in for the cool factor. Yeah. I, I think Devo should be included. Sure. I think these people all will be eventually. Dion Warwick, we've all weighed in on where we stand on, wow. on Dion Warwick. Wow. Shaka Khan, Rage. Mary J. Blige, the New York Dolls. It's hard to imagine any of these people won't be in eventually, and perhaps most egregiously just because there's this persistent anti 
heavy metal um, uh, prejudice among the rock and roll establishment Iron Maiden are not in. This is ludicrous. Come on, Iron Maiden or the Go-Go's? Let's well, get, I mean, let's, Judas let's, let's Priest is in. Okay. Right? Judas Priest is so. in the I rock and roll right. of fame. Yeah, yeah. And Iron Maiden's not. Though that's, that's like fighting words. We're yeah. going gonna to fight now. Yeah. You know? Um, it's dumb. Here's my thing, though. If you hang around too long and like, which happens in the sports hall of fames, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting a couple of votes and then like, and then, you know, you know, you've been hanging around too long. We're yeah. just going to kick you back out in the pile. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like the Kurt Schilling of rock and roll. Well, exactly. Yeah. So my point is like, you mentioned Devo, you mentioned, uh, what was, what was the last two you mentioned? You mentioned uh, what, uh, New York dolls, New York dolls, New York dolls is a perfect example of like, yeah, they're hanging around. I mean, they were just kind of this trashy thing. They definitely influenced a lot of people, but how long we to keep them on the peripheral until we let them in? Yeah. I mean that record, the first record came out 50 years ago. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like you say they're, they're shoe ones, but I mean, what, what, what's going to change? What's going to change to keep, because every year you're going to get new people added to that list when the 25 right. years is up. Yeah. You're, you're, for those that don't know, your record has to be 25 years old to qualify the Rock Hall of Fame. So I don't know what's going to change when new bands are going to keep qualifying to make the New York Dolls unless there's some kind of underground swell movement. Yeah. Well, and what difference does it really make? Because certainly there's going to be some display somewhere about New, New York, York City, dolls. rock and roll, CBGBs, blah, blah, blah. And there's going to be pictures of David Johansson and, and Johnny a, a wig and, that he wore or, right. or, or, or whatever. Platform shoes that they had on. Exactly. And, and so is the general public clamoring for them to, <clears throat> excuse me, accept an award and play personality crisis on VH1 during the award show? No, there's no, no. demand for that whatsoever. No. There's so. only one surviving member. Oh, is that so like now? Sylvain, Sylvain just passed like about a year ago, oh, I think, man. like during during the the COVID. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, there's one. David Johansson's the, the the sole survivor. Yeah. There might be some push when there's one member alive, right, to get them in, right, to at least have some celebration. Yeah. To you know to celebrate to have some. A, a, earthly representation of the new york dolls Mm -hmm. you know i wonder how much of it is about the behind the scenes politicking now i don't know what to make of this morrissey is a bad barometer of anything in terms of humankind (laughs) but i know that he felt very burnt by he was incredibly instrumental in getting the new york dolls back together he was the president of the new york dolls fan club i mean that literally no no yeah when and and wrote news uh, wrote letters to uh music newspapers singing their praises when he was a kid so it's a very personal thing for him and got them in the nme yeah and melody maker which which and still are today, which were the only game in town in the 70s in terms of music and how people discovered There were weekly newspapers that came out. Yeah, exactly. And I think he later said that they were too cool to even say thank you when he oh, yeah. did get them back together. And They might have been under certain stimulants and variants and, and depressors, <laughs> but you know, that no, as a I mean, 12-year-old Morrissey might have taken that the wrong way. No, but I mean, when he got them back together, they oh, reunited gotcha, gotcha. at the festival that he organized. At the, no, I wanted to say the fire Festival. <laughs> that would have been so great. That would have been so perfect been just if a the, bunch of influencers were, were eating bologna sandwiches and poetic, watching poetic David Johansson. <laughs> But uh, if they did not play the game with Morrissey, maybe maybe if uh, if David Johansson was kissing some butt behind the scenes in Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe this is a different story. But I find that strange that like after all those years, they wouldn't say thanks, Morrissey, appreciate it. But maybe he's a dick. Maybe the, maybe because so. my experience, I was around him a little bit. He used to have a show on Sirius, and he uh-huh. would record it at night. And this is before I went full time, and I was working part time at night, and he was. Him and Fred Schneider, dude, were the the best two people you could ever run into at the pretzel jar. 
they were just delightful human beings and uh, in very, very, very different ways. David Johansson right. was just like, if you see him, you go, that guy's a famous rock star, yeah, right? Period. I he don't looks, know. Still looks it. You know, I got seven years old. He's still skinny. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and Fred was just this delightful guy who would ask you how your, how your day was, That's was going. Yeah. That's great. Right. Sometimes you want to meet your house, you know? Every now and again, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's take a look at May of 1981. Two bits of music news from that moment in history. Uh, on the 15th of May, a riot broke out at the Ritz Rock Club in New York, which had been Studio 54. I guess that stopped being Studio 54 already by 1981. It was not... Because I know the Ritz was studio 54 by the time guns and roses were playing there on mtv right right that was like 86 87 but yeah i, th- I think studio 54 went to like 82 83 so I think maybe it, maybe when maybe the ritz was somewhere else and uh, somewhere else that's what I'm closed, that yeah. became the new ritz that's probably what it is and studio 54 came back too like in the mid 80s yeah there was, think, there was a couple incarnations of it public image limited caused a riot oh, by yeah. playing behind a video screen while completely different music played over the club speakers still got it baby now why would that cause a riot <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you got to hand it to Johnny. Well, now he's calling himself John Lydon at that point. He left the Johnny Rotten moniker behind yeah. in London with the pistols. And to his credit, you know, punk rock was starting to catch on a little bit. He could have cashed in and said, he goes, I'm going to do the most dissonant, unlistenable music of all. In fact, I'm not even going to play our music and show up to our debut New York show. That yeah. was the debut. They were on a major label. There was money behind it. And they just go, what's the most punk thing we can do? Well, there you go. Terrific. They did it. Do we know what the music was they played? No, no, I can try to find out. But uh, Diana Ross also left Motown, her label of two decades. I'm surprised because money, obviously, we all know how inflation works. Uh, things that seem like such a big deal when baseball players were getting $1 million per year. Right. Diana Ross in 1981 signed a deal with RCA, the most lucrative recording contract in history at the time, a $20 million deal. She signed in 1981. I got to tell you what, that that is a mind-blowing number for right? 1981. Yeah. There's no way she recouped that. That's that's the irony of that. Oh, I mean, she might have right. by now, but I mean, she had a couple albums in, in, the, in the 80s. They didn't but, let her get a new headshot. I know that. No, She's exactly, right? She's going to say what? <laughs> but, but you'd think Barry Gordy would have said, look, I can't let her, the, 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 the crown jewel of my... But for that money, that's why she. That's why he had to let her go. Yeah, I can't justify giving you twenty to to just that for inflation. Probably the equivalent of giving someone two hundred million dollars today on a label, at least. If 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 the record industry was still intact, you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that was probably the only way she could leave Motown. So I'm looking at an article about and and yes, you're right. It's very unlikely that she recouped. What did she? She did have a couple of what endless love is that is that seventies or is that early endless 80s? love was uh, definitely eighty two was off the movie there um, she had she had a couple disco hits um, yeah we're past I'm coming out at this point yeah yeah no but but there was nothing that was that was like multi platinum Diana there was no Tina Turner what's love got to do with it moment for Diana Ross after the arts you know look it there's not the Diana Ross, greatest hits, the RCA years. No, you know sure what I'm saying? Isn't. Let's put it that way. Oh, boy. There's a lot of details on this uh, public image yep. thing. So they didn't come out until 1 a.m. Before the band started, uh, Lisa Yap sat in a garbage can with the intention <laughs> of introducing the band. Uh, became apparent the crowd was feeling rowdy. She decided she didn't want to face 
them. So one of the stagehands dragged the trash can along with her onto the stage, and she popped out of the trash and said, I'm here to talk about public image, while people threw more trash at her. Wow. And then what music? That's a lot of work for spontaneous performance. Yeah. Yeah, and and for what? I don't know that it actually says what the what the there's a there's a video of it, but uh yeah, I I hey, E for effort. Hey, staying on brand though. You yeah. know what I mean? He's, <laughs> He's nothing if not on brand. brand. Did I tell you about this? It humanized him for me quite yes. a bit. I that I read that he's taking care of a uh and and also well he's taking care of his sorry to interrupt you uh no, his wife Nora mm-hmm. who's a, a German heiress apparently industrial ah. heiress and I believe obviously has a lot of dough. Uh they've been married a long long time. She's 20 years his elder I believe mm-hmm. and she's suffering from dementia. Yes. Whereas she is she doesn't recognize him. She's completely out of it and his full-time occupation now is mm-hmm. taking care of her. It's yes. kind of a beautiful... It is. The way he articulates it, he's very eloquent with his words, and it's, you know, she's been so good to me these years, it's my turn to take care of her. And he also has a set of twins he takes care of uh, uh, as well. So he's, he's, you know, for all the the bluster and the uh, the hardcore Johnny Rotten veneer, there's a, there's a big, uh, you know, nougat heart inside of that punk rock. That's exactly right. To think that right now in nearby Venice, California, right. behind some closed door, what he's doing right now, it, it puts a different spin on a guy that we thought we all... That's exactly right. We thought we all knew. It really gave the man a heart. <clears throat> so in May of 1981, I want to paint the picture of where we are in the, in the culture, in the music culture, and what will still fly, because I think it will really contextualize some of the other things that also came out at this same time. Track number one, which made it into the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Does this ring a bell, Mark McGrath? The uh, Manhattan transfer and their cover of the uh, the classic "Boy from New York City" off the album "Mecca for Moderns." Another interesting thing about '81, we've mm-hmm. said it every show, is the metamorphosis, if you will, from '70s production going into what the '80s was going to become. I mean, two yeah. years later, you have these Duran Duran masterpieces, Wild Boys, and it's just so funny. There was just so the residual of the '70s, just direct, if you will, if I can be so bold. I mean, I, 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 I can not too strong a word. Yeah, but but I, I but there's some of these songs we love and we hold dear to our hearts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sort of like the Escape Pina Coladas going into the '80s, which became a very. I mean, Thriller was two years away. Think yeah. about that. How well produced that song was. Yeah. So. How the pop landscape was just going through this metamorphosis. It was number one song. It was gigantic, you know? Yeah, that was, uh, it's Broadway. Broadway, absolutely. And that is still able to to penetrate into. Four-part harmonies going on with there, like a barbershop thing. Going, I mean, like, and that was a number one song on your pop station. I'm going to say that was the last time in the culture that somebody unironically successfully went, yeah. Yeah. The Oak Ridge Boys might have <laughs> snuck in there somewhere, but I think you're right. <laughs> 
And I remember the guy that did that too. He had dark hair. Yeah. He kind of looked like Danny Terrio. And he wore a he wore a satin jacket. Never no, believe really? it. No shirt with what Chip and Dale's bow tie. <laughs> and he was the low baritone in the Manhattan transfer. And the fact that I know that makes me not happy about myself. It is just <laughs> Unbelievable! The tail end of unironic, insane oh, culture of the 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 the, 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 the aesthetic, the, mm-hmm. the the you know fashion aesthetic, yeah. the the aural aesthetic. It was just crazy how it was all just colliding. Yeah, I know sometimes you have punk rock, you know, bubbling under. It was just a crazy. Probably the last time music went under such a change until technology got got involved. Yeah, about 20, 30 years later. Well, and kids today will never know the fun that we had in the nineties because we all grew up soaking that in, going. This seems odd. <laughs> and then in the 90s, we all discovered weed and started hanging out with our friends and going, do you remember? Am I crazy? Right. Was there a guy? And nowadays, things just get slammed in real time on, on the internet. But it was there was a whole subgenre of comedy and stand-up in the 90s that was just about, do you remember? Yeah, totally. Was that entire show about a stoned dirtbag hanging out with a dog that <laughs> right. was also stoned? Am I crazy? <laughs> Oh, the Jerry Seinfeld esque humor. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you remember exactly. that? You ever? Why did we do that? What was the deal with? Exactly. Yeah. What was the deal? Exactly. exactly. So, also putting out a new album. I think it may have been his fourth album already. By 1981, was Tom Petty. I should say Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And in doing a little bit of homework for this, I didn't realize John Lydon, obviously, in his very obvious way, was very punk rock. Not necessarily an adjective I would always think to apply to Tom Petty, but. So by this time, I think after his second album, his record company got sold and he did not care to record for the company that bought it. So he personally declared bankruptcy as a means of getting out of his record contract. And then by this fourth album, they had two tiers of pricing. There was an 898 LP and they had introduced superstar pricing of like 998 and he refused to release the record with the superstar pricing to the almost to the extent of calling the album 898 right so that right. they had no choice right right and then they finally just decided to pick their battles and to let tom petty be tom petty but not that i thought the guy was a pushover and nobody ever suspected he was a guy who played ball or played the game but he's putting a flag down for the little guy you but know you what don't I mean? always need to be wearing it on your sleeve and cutting yourself with jagged bottles on stage that to is- actually be an insanely credible artist and to kick against the pricks and to say look we're not doing that I mean, yeah. that's taking a stand yeah you know when 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 you're you're doing that you're pissing off your label and you're not like your tom petty had was his career was kind of done so he's kind of going to just just do this altruistically for the crowd for the no. fans he was like this is not going to work for me so yeah uh, he had done i think like american girls a hit by this point yeah. i think refugee is already damn the torpedo is this damn the, what, what was coming out we are damn looking the torpedo is 79 81 we are looking at hard promises hard promises huge record and the hit record off of that which everyone will recall You know, two two guys staring at each other in a in a basement. Yeah, and that song just still I, it puts me right into the song. Yeah, I forgot you were even here for a moment, Tully. That's how beautiful that song is. It's you just know? so understated. If you'd ask me to list 
the 20 best Tom Petty songs. I don't even know if that one comes to how mind. About, how about that? How about what you just said there? I mean, yeah. think about that man's catalog. I know. You I know. know what I mean? You know a show that I really want to do? I think 20 is a kind of a magic number. You can do it for artists and then you can do it. You can do it for bands and you can do it for solo artists. I want to see... You might have to fudge the results a little bit because sometimes the general public has wonky taste or something was in a TV show mm-hmm. or something. But you look at the... We've talked about, is Billy Joel the greatest solo, self-contained performer? Tell me what their 20th most popular song is. Because there's a lot of bands that can get to 10. Right. When you get to 20 and we're still talking about a song that is an undisputed classic, I wonder how many acts are actually at It's that. rarefied air for it really sure. Is, I mean, yeah. I think... 10 classics is rarefied air to yeah, tell you. Yeah. Too. I'm talking classics, mm-hmm. you know? So getting to 20, you're dealing with the Stones, you're dealing with Zeppelin, you're dealing with, you know, Aerosmith. I mean, Aerosmith would probably limp there, to be honest with you, because I don't love their, you know. I, I, I thought I liked their greatest hits more than, than yeah. I did the 70s stuff. Once you get past, you know, same old song and dance, it's right. it's fun, Last Child, it's it's fun. When they start with the one word titles, the crazy, the amazing, <laughs> oh, that, that's, that, it, yeah. that, that's when you started crying, jaded, that's when they, they lost me a little bit. They started trying to write hits do you well, know what I'm saying? Started, and they weren't. And, and, and they were letting other people write the hits. Well, that too. They did Desmond Child in there, but you know, look, Steven Tyler knows where his bread is butter. He made yeah. sure he, but didn't, see, didn't, very didn't creative guy. I saw the process, you know, yeah. they, they, they had a little behind the, behind the scenes of making these records. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they, they, it's, 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 it's strange. And what makes a super, how many classic songs do you have to have? be considered a superstar band where's that cut off well i would say your greatest hits are all great hits right but we have a greatest hits <laughs> like i said all of your greatest right. <laughs> i didn't hear the last part <laughs> well and tom You're petty right. tom petty always had the and and easy to say after the fact who knows what he was saying at the time but the thing was when you come out with the greatest hits you got to put a new track or two on so the super fans have to buy it and he said how can i put a new song on if this is my greatest hits because by definition you're telling me to go make one right. of my greatest hits and uh mary jane's last dance is the, the single that they added on to that which is indeed one of his greatest hits which is which is incredible to, to think that way because a lot of artists look at it as like a cash cow oh good we can satisfy satisfy another uh record for the label yep and we'll just throw we'll throw something we already didn't make a last record on there. That happens in a lot of those greatest hits. That so. or or we'll record a cover. Eggs is same thing. Same yeah. thing. Exactly. So, um, but you know what's funny? We talked about this before. How, how could Appetite Destruction not be considered their greatest debut record of all time when mm-hmm. that's the greatest hits record? Yeah. Well, let's see. Because then, I mean, back in okay. Bla- back in what Black? song would you put from Guns N' Roses catalog after? Um, I guess that I guess you might put uh, patience on instead of anything, you know. Uh, yeah, well, any, what songs goes, you yeah, trade no, out? No, no, I, oh, well, you know, I've I've I've, I've litigated this <laughs> on, on my right. shows. So, so many you're times. losing one and two. Okay. What song would you trade for anything on uh, Appetite? I believe I can do that. I don't love the recording. I think it was a very very soulless. Um, Loaded uh, between Matt Swarm's soulless with all due respect to Matt. Matt's a great drummer, but it just they lost a little bit of the soul. swing. He, yeah, exactly. And in the nature of the re- the recordings, that having been said, uh, don't cry is better than you're crazy. Oh God, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. And you know, it's funny. November Rain was written. I know 
for Appetite Sucks. We talked about we, that. It, well, and, and that's if you if you if they had put Don't Cry on Appetite, it would have been even better because it would have been the Appetite but, band. In but the not you're crazy. Sessions. I'm not taking you. You're fucking crazy. I'll try. I'll you. I'll give you my way. Your way. Anything goes tonight. That 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 to me is the filler, which would yes. be which would be one of the best Faster Pussycat songs of all time. You know what, what I'm sure, saying? For sure. Uh, uh, and with two and huge talking, Faster Pussycat fans. to listen to yes. Where There's a Whip, There's a Way this morning. Fully qualifying. <laughs> fully qualifying our love. Uh-huh. For poison of I mean, we love House of Pussycat. So I think it's interesting mm-hmm. when you talk debut records of all time, you can't even, you can't even, you can't, there's nothing close. There's nothing close. Okay, let's see it's, now. Let's see now with Tom Petty. So I'm looking at sorted by best um, best sellers on iTunes. Okay. Not all of these. What are, is his best seller? I'm curious on iTunes. It says here Mary Jane's Last Dance is his oh, best. Be more than Free Fallen? Free Fallen seems like it'd be the go to. Okay, so we got that. We got American Girl. I don't think Learning to Fly is one of his great, 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 oh, great songs, song. but, but I'm willing to include it. Refugee. Yes. Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Yes. Don't Come Around Here yes. No More. Don't Do Me Like That. Uh-huh. Breakdown. Yep. Here Comes My Girl. Here Comes My Girl. I think that might be a cover. It might be a, it might be a bird I guess cover. the birds? Yeah. <laughs> Lucky guess. <laughs> If you can see Tully's face, dude, I'm never not doing this again. Not on Zoom, never again. Uh, let's see. <laughs> you got Lucky. Uh, do we do that now? Yeah, that's that's a legit. Yeah, a lit song. A, a pretty weird song, I think, for a guy who's remembered more for being uh, uh, an '80s up, almost skinny tie version of Southern rock. Go and listen to the the verses of of that song because it's a. Uh, you got Lucky's got that weird. Yeah. Off kilter synthy yeah. thing beep, going beep, on. Beep. You know, with that keyboard press going exactly. Yeah. Um, into the great wide open. Sure, uh, that to me is okay. It's a, okay. Last so DJ and stuff like that. That's when you're starting to get out of for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, I don't know how many of these are on more than once. The waiting. You still haven't said free falling. No, I isn't that on? It's impossible, dude. The, it, that's that's the, the, everybody's karaoke jam. That's probably everybody's first. What's your favorite Tom, Tom Petty song? Yeah. They're just going to say that because that's what's going to come first to their mind. Free Fallen Live comes up, as far as I can tell, even before that. I don't see another... Okay, so... Okay, wait. And we, we've also... Is 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 Full Moon Fever not on iTunes for some weird reason? Because we haven't had Running Down a Dream. Oh, this is probably where the yeah. problem lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's impossible on that. Oh, are you looking at Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers or Tom Petty? Ah, uh, that's Tom Petty solo. That's a Tom Petty record. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Does he get to twenty though? I'm not entirely sure. See, this with is... the Heartbreakers or by Tom Petty? I'll count. And both. are we? Are we I'll yeah, count both. Are we going? Hey, you could throw Mudcrutch in. Yeah, but I. But I'll say I'll I'll, I'll, I'll call that one person. Won't sure, you? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'm curious where we're left. If if you do, and and again, I don't know how you want to do it because the. The top twenty songs on iTunes are just not his top. He's got a Christmas song that ranks in there. It's right, it, right, you, right. You right. would have to finesse it and use a little bit of of judgment. But I'd love to see for solo people. And then, what's the twentieth best Led Zeppelin song versus what's the twentieth most classic Eagles song? That's I would like to see that too. I'm not entirely. I guess Zeppelin wins that. I think Zeppelin wins because they had they had more they had more records than than yeah, the Eagles, right. ironically. And and I, you know you could almost say this about Led Zeppelin records too. I'm saying about the Guns N' Roses record, almost all their records are greatest hits. You know, mm-hmm. except Coda didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Um, that was them trying to that came out in '81, didn't it? Yeah, I think you're I right. think and so that was them trying to like 
how do we get into the eighties and you know, before the honey drippers come to <laughs> take Robert Plant away. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, I think pound for pound Led Zeppelin is going to beat, uh, Aerosmith on that 2020. Oh, Aerosmith. I don't, you know, you're, you're going to be doing, um, yeah. Love in an elevator versus yeah, cashmere. Yeah. You're getting sick as a dog down by <laughs> 19, yeah. 18 for that for right. sure. I don't know if there's a band that is as acclaimed and prestigious, uh, as squeeze that I know less about. And I actually tried to read up on them a little bit in advance of this conversation because Mm -hmm. they put out maybe their biggest album, East Side Story in May of 1981. And I'm still not sure I understand what Squeeze is all about. Tell me what you think you know and think about Squeeze. Well, I'm a big fan of Squeeze. Okay. And Squeeze was one of those K-Rock bands. Yep. Healthy dose of a lot of Squeeze material. There's a legit greatest hits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, multiple Glenn Tilbrook, uh, Paul Carrick spent some time in Squeeze. Mm-hmm. So, so real heavy duty songwriter players. A very smart band. A band that came out of post England, post punk England. Yep. You know they they had some roots back there, but they go. You know what? We actually want to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to write some real songs, and we're going to kind of go the Elvis Costello route. Very much so. Very very much so. Uh, and they had some big. They had some big pop hits in the eighties. Yeah. Take us to the bridge. Throw over the See you can swim. Like whether you like it or not. They, they, these are these are pop songs that tried. Oh, do you, you know what I mean? They, I got about they, th- I got about three squeeze songs on my iPod, and you better believe the hourglass is one. Oh, oh, good, good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad. So sometimes I see the eyebrow raise. Yeah. I don't know where you're going with it. <laughs> uh, so so and they were they were kicking against what was you know, let's say that curiosity killed the cat. That real pretty boy, uh, you know, uh, new role pop. You know, they were just squeeze. Yeah, they were. Uh, this is gonna. You know what they they were the fastball of the eighties. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And England is always going to be looking for they they're looking for the biggest thing ever. And then as soon as they find it, they're going to be looking for the, the next, next biggest that thing. thing. And I would also love to do an episode that's just the uh, the next the Beatles. next the next Beatles that wasn't the Beatles like or well, that was. Well, nobody's been the Beatles yet. Well, Oasis will fight you <laughs> and say something different. You know, but Squeeze were in that conversation. Squeeze were definitely in the conversation. And, 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 and a valid. It, 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 nobody was going to be the next Beatles, and the Smiths weren't going to be, and, and Oasis weren't. But S- S- Squeeze were valid heirs oh, to that da-da. school. So I, I forgot Jules Holland was in Squeeze. So that's the I, thing. I, I left Jules Holland on the conversation. I knew, I knew that Jules Holland was in it, and Jules Holland. Many people might not know who he is, but still, the name might ring a bell because he's hosted not a couple of different music TV shows in England. So you may well have seen, if you're thinking that you've seen a clip of somebody playing music on a show that says Jules Holland in the title. That's right. That's right. It says Jules Holland live, and what he does, he's yeah. got all the bands set up on stage. Mm-hmm. He's all right, ladies and gentlemen, right out of New York, New York, uh, you know, uh, the, the Strokes. And then he'll go over there, to, there's uh, Famakuti from uh, Africa. Yeah. And, and then he'll jam with them sometimes because he's such an accomplished musician. So he's become this sort of celeb on his own away from the music. Yes. But he's almost like the Paul Schaefer with a gang of personality and very cool Seville Rose suits. Yeah, that's right. But I did so I knew that he was in Squeeze. Well, it turns out he left Squeeze in eighty one. Yeah. And they kept going yeah. for some and they time. They kept going. I, I and know, they're bigger success. After. I didn't know that they broke up for a while and then got back together. I didn't know that Tempted was not the original singer, and I know who Paul Carrick Paul is. Kirk, yeah. Paul Carrick was in Squeeze for a minute. And, that's right. And this this is the minute. And so in May of nineteen eighty one, also, I love a song 
that I can't place in a time. I was genuinely surprised when I saw that Squeeze had a record, it made sense to me. To see that this was the record that had That tempted, early, yeah. If I had to guess, I would have guessed that Tempted came out in... 84, 85. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm you, right there with you. Precisely. And yet all the way back in 1981, while Doo-Wah, Doo-Wah, Diddy, <laughs> is on the charts, this is what, this is what Squeeze have what come up with. incredible time. You know, I'm not a huge squeeze guy. Something about them, they just always seemed a little too pleased with themselves. I got a thing like that off of Billy Joel. Different way, but the same thing. They seem very kind of smug. Is Look at this bridge we put in here. It's a three, four time. It yeah. goes to Merengue, and then no one's going to notice it totally. Almost too smart for their yeah. own good. Right, right. And it makes you, well, I want to say it makes you a little inaccessible because it, it, it lacks heart and it lacks that vulnerability that people connect to but for the fact that tempted is like you can play that at a wedding to this day and i don't know if people would dance to it but that is although oh, stop and listen everybody from people who have a very informed musical opinion down to people who have a very ill-informed musical opinion that's just a perfect song that's perfect one song. of the great songs i'm a uh I'm a pulling muscles from the shell guy personally. Oh, that's a great song. There's so many, and it, it, there's some. They, the squeeze have so many great, great, great songs. And you know, it's irony. You, you say like you know they're not that. That's such a vulnerable lyric. It's mm -hmm. such a beautiful lyric. The backing vocals on that. That we all do the backing vocals. You know, how you do air guitar, air drums. We do air backing vocals to like ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But squeeze is one of those bands. You're right. You always thought they were doing us a favor by releasing <laughs> pop music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Oh, wait till our orchestra music comes you guys are gonna be no we, we like your pop song give us three minutes and 13 seconds of perfection that's all we need from you squeeze yeah and right. that's what tempted is man that's right it felt like they were slumming a little yeah bit. they're slumming a little you know okay we'll play this then paul carrick went out to have this sort of like like mid-80s like mulleted solo oh, career like, yeah don't yeah. shed a tear for me my heart and like completely lost the cool and vulnerability and the beauty that is that vocal to me well and then he, Danny, Danny was a singer in Mike and Mechanics that's the thing so in the last two weeks I've learned that he's the guy who sang Tempted and the guy who sang The Living Years Living Years yeah, that's, a big, that's crazy that's a long ladder to climb from yeah. 81 to like what 88 87 yeah, right <laughs> Elsewhere in pop music, I always find these really, really fascinating. Elton John had had a ton of hits and still had many more in him in 1981, but none of them were contained on the album The Fox. Hmm. Does the song Breaking Down Barriers ring any bells? Not at all. Isn't that crazy? It was not the biggest single off of Elton John to me is one of the biggest pop stars of the 70s. That's not debatable. One of the major, major, major pop stars of the 80s. Without a doubt. And, yet, and the 90s too, man. He was winning Oscars. And, no, you're and right. He falls in that El that, that uh, Billy Joel category. He does. You know, can For you think sure. of a bigger... I mean, he's the guy you talk about when you talk about Billy Joel, who's who's more accomplished. What is his 20th biggest song? It's a song, hey, exactly. it's a song you know. It's I a mean, song you're, you know, you know that, that that's an incredible... But I also think this might have been the Elton John cocaine years where he was like... 
producing records to get some advances you know what i'm uh, saying okay yeah actually i think i read that some of these songs may have been things that were left over from the last record kind yeah, of thing okay so yeah. let's see what you, you think satisfying contracts off of the fox well i'm also just very fascinated with this just the idea people think about records they came to think about records so much uh differently where it's every two years or every three years and you have to redefine yourself and if this one misses you you maybe have one more chance to get That's yourself right. back in the game the uh, the thing where you were a made man and you weren't going anywhere and has it been nine months book me some studio time and we'll crank something out i think it's probably more akin to maybe what writing a sitcom is like we're like yeah of course you're trying to make it good but if we have an off week well we'll, yeah. just, we'll get them next week or even an off season like yeah, yeah we got we got 10 seasons and that's, you know, it's not a problem so yeah yeah we're, we're we're the we're the normal if you're not in that superstar status is what have you done for me lately yeah i mean you can come off double platinum record your next one fails you get one more shot and you're gone yeah i mean it happened, it happened to plenty of bands like seven mary threes the 90s you know these bands jackal Yes. Remember Jackal? Who can forget? I'm a lover, Jack, now, baby. And, uh, yes, he did love that chainsaw. But, but they were great. They had a whole gimmick and it was great. They went platinum and then like the next week, Nirvana came out. Yeah. And they're like, well, we still got to release our second record. We haven't had a chance yet. So yeah. it's interesting. Timing's everything in this thing. And I always say the, it's a, the second hardest thing in the world is having success in music. The first hardest thing is staying there. It's just without a doubt. It's probably with a lot of things though. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot to be to be said for that. I think one of the reasons why I like the '80s so much is because there are so many bands that had little runs, mm -hmm. and rather than spreading, their like we're just singing the praises of Tom Petty. Tom Petty had a thing, and yeah, well, he's going to do a Tom Petty thing into another Tom Petty thing, and he had an established palette. When everything you ever know and ever will know about Aha is folded into this one right. shimmering package they're not going to reinvent their wheel for the next single and the next single and the next single. And it's very few people whose package is so shimmery that they can kind of just keep going to the well and doing their shtick over and over again. And the eighties were such a great time for look at these weirdos. They look like pirates and they've got a bass player and, uh, and, uh, and somebody on the xylophone. And yep. wow, that was fun. Hey, now look over here. There's this completely different package. Look, there's a guy with a blonde pompadour up to here yeah. and the bass player is playing a big dog house bass man <laughs> right. is this what we're doing now right i mean right. i was into rockabilly i was in a punk i was in a mod that's what made 80s so great but yep. also made it so i guess uh disposable too yeah there was a lot of one hit wonders and a lot of disposable genres that came and went really quickly yeah a lot of uh, sugary confections that's correct so let's see elton john breaking down barriers i like to hear the song the fox here it is Got, I pretty much got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. If there is a barrier, did Bernie Taupin write the lyrics to that? Because that's very un-Bernie Taupin to keep repeating something that I don't know, banal. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a fair question. Let's like was that there like you know the years they 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 split apart and he didn't have a success. It just um, let's see. This is off of I'm looking at the Fox Eltonography.com. 
That is off the Lyrics f- by Gary Osborne. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Now, now right, right away, I, the magic wasn't there. No. It felt like he was trying to like do a little bit of Saturday, Saturday Night's All Right for fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, he was going through that metaphorosis. What am I doing from the 70s? How am I going to get in the 80s? Yeah. You know, you can hear it in all these songs, all these records. You need that 1% of inspiration or else that 99% of perspiration is only going to get you so far. Because he was working. He was working. Can you go back to the well? You know, yeah. that, that sounds like him not really trying. Yeah, agreed. There were a lot of things happening, a lot of things happening in the, I would have to say at this point on the show, we can just call it for shorthand, the K-Rock world. The K-Rock years. Yeah, exactly. For example, I'm never, I accept that I am never going to get X like I'm supposed to get X. I think I just had to be there. It's, yeah, I want, you, you, it's, it's such a seminal Los Angeles band to me. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how much of an impact they've had on me. That's how much the records mean to me. Yep. Um, they're considered a punk rock band, but they never really were. No, they're they're a rock and roll band. Right, you know? right, right. Uh, that's just where they hung out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where they kind of made their bones, you know? Um, right. So what's the song off of? And Ray Manzarek produced the first record, as, as we should probably say, as a little mm-hmm. fun side note and yeah. antidote. Now, if Ray Manzarek from The Doors is, is kind of co-signing your band, you're doing something right back then. Yeah. You know, look at look at his front person. Look at the whether you're a Doors fan or not. They're a polar, polarizing band. They had some songs. Of course they sure. did. Of yeah. course they did. Well, uh, I wonder what their twentieth song is. Because I, I, the I, Doors fall off a huge cliff after see, a few. I don't. I don't necessarily agree. It's I'm, I'm. You know, I was just the right age for the Oliver Stone movie. Well, I, I love that. Look, I, I was the right age for them when the greatest hits came out. So we <laughs> we are aged. Our age. Uh, difference a little bit that that movie borderline and parody a little bit for me even yeah. though he looked so much like jim morrison did a great job yeah it was a little too effective no 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 no. i was 12 i get now that it was a movie that i enjoyed that meant a lot to me that uh that was bad i, I can well, I, I i mean i enjoyed the movie too it was certainly wasn't a bad movie but it was still affected to me but like the, the door's greatest hits is, is great uh no 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 double entendre there but um yeah 20 20 Door songs that are great for me maybe okay so first of all x off of wild gift according to itunes the song that i would probably like is white girl but why don't you why don't you tell me we're desperate i know i've heard of we're desperate yeah. get used to it uh is there cover of breathless on there or no mm, no no you know wild gift is, is is a great record but they're the first record's untouchable to okay. debut, you know? So let's do White Girl just because it's it's the most popular song on the album. Uh, Great guitar intro. Users anyway. Great guitar intro. not feeling it are you totally i i see it's not it's not getting into your uh, dna okay so to me that's the kind of stuff where if i and i'm getting so old that it's unrealistic for me to expect this place to really present itself in reality anymore but in my imaginary mind world 
if I go into a coffee shop somewhere on the east side of Los Angeles and that's playing, I know I'm in the right coffee shop for me. Right, right. Because I, lo- I love the vibe. That's actually really well said because they are such a Los Angeles band. Yeah. The first if I'm in Silver Lake. and Yeah, first record's called Los Angeles. All the lyrical imagery has to do with LA and, and all. They're the seminal LA band. So I think that's a very... Very astute and intuitive assessment coming from New Jersey, the, the way you have. Because X played around town all the time in Southern California when I was growing up. So uh-huh. they're a huge part of, of my musical landscape. But I... They're, always, su- they're such a big deal out here. It's just, it's obvious. You no, right, right, it. right. I mean, like, Oingo Boingo is the same way, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the doors here. And well, the crazy thing is that a Skrillex song featuring the Doors has trumped all of their <laughs> greatest hits. We're talking iTunes here. What song just, is let it? Let me just go through it. I don't know. Breaking a Sweat, Skrillex and the Doors off the album Bangarang. I don't know. Okay, real quick. Let me, let me, I don't want to belabor this. Light My Fire, Riders on the Storm, LA Woman, Break On Through to the Other Side, People Are Strange, Love Her Madly, Soul Kitchen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how badly you need Love Her Madly. Uh, That's a great song. Okay, great. Then uh, Roadhouse Blues, Hello, I Love You, Touch Me, I'm going to include yeah, it. Definitely it's a joke, but um, Peace Frog? Is there, do we yes, need? yes, Peace okay, Frog. Okay, Love Me Two Times, great. Show Me the Way to the Next Whiskey Bar. That's great. Uh, their cover of Gloria, people respond, I don't know, we don't no, need a cover. I'll play, I'll play. Okay, uh, Spanish Caravan? What song is that? Spanish Caravan is one of their, like, uh, is Crystal Ship on there? Yes, Crystal Ship is coming up. Backdoor Man is coming up. Twentieth Century Fox is coming up. Oh God, yes. Um, so you're there. Wait, have we not done the end yet? No. The end. One of my favorite songs is the song "Waiting for the Sun," not from the album "Waiting for the I, Sun." I know exactly what you're saying. Terrific. So right there, that's yeah. not even trying twenty. We got. Yeah. I stand corrected. For a uh, band that has what? When the music's over, we hadn't mentioned. Over is huge. Yeah, the soft parade. This is. Uh, wow, they got the, you got there quickly too. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Doors are they 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 were so overrated that they somewhere along the way became okay, underrated. underrated. Yeah, are they? Where are they in the, the best American band of all time? Then best American band. Are they top five. Uh, oh 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 no 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 no. Okay, so you and I talked about this, and you we've you, done this before. You, right, and you 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 said where does the Who rank if they're an American band? Right. Do you know? I'm so glad this came up again. You know, we forgot to mention Metallica. Oh God. Yeah. If you do, if you do choose to include bands who have recorded music in the last thirty years, you know it's funny. I like Metallica. Yeah, they're fine. I don't go out of my way for Metallica. Oh, really? You know? So not even I, Master of Puppets. Just I, I, yeah, I like it. I like the day. I, I, I like it. I'm more of a Slayer guy than Metallica. Oh, okay. So you yeah, know, I won't go out of my way for Slayer. Well, there you go. Right. So, but I completely agree when you're talking, you know, commercial success, yeah. uh, impact, longevity, which are all things you got to throw in. Yeah. Metallica moves way up the list for me now when they weren't even the conversation before you mentioned them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Uh, elsewhere in the bubbling under the surface, doing things that will uh, influence music for generations to come, uh, like released these. in May of 81. Brand new, as we've just learned, technically Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, Kraftwerk, who Ooh. I think are a little bit past the the Autobahn. Like, I think they're real, real seminal stuff. But... In 81, they have an album called Computer World, and I know this is probably at least... A, if you have three songs from Kraftwerk in your music collection, this is probably going I'm to the be... the operator with my pocket calculator. Damn skippy it is. That's right. Let me hear it. 
He's adding and he's subtracting. Is it funny or is it the greatest thing ever? Like I can, to me, yeah. this is just revenge of the nerds. I know it. it I wonder it's what just only that. What uh, would we think of that? subgenre of music if Revenge of the Nerds had never happened because they really really they pulled really the pants that's like what Spinal Tap did right. to hair metal right right Revenge of the Nerds did to did early synth pop yeah but would would Kraftwerk get their just desserts or be anywhere near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if it wasn't for sampling would they have been a forgotten just sort of quirky band from the past yeah okay I think I think this. I tried to get into a lot of the uh, the Krautrock yeah. stuff, and I eventually found, and this is the ultimate damning with faint praise, that some of it I like to listen to when I was going to sleep because it's just so repetitive. There's a, there's a couple of there's a noise song that's like six minutes long that's literally like a mid to up tempo drum beat and one note on the bass. They're just going, and I found it so funny. And there's another one where a guy's just hitting a bunch of cymbals. There's something fascinating about it. And it's, uh, it is so, so, so undeniably influential. And because of the, the rockest music press that tried so hard to prop up the influence of classic rock while denigrating anything that wasn't made with traditional rock and roll instruments, so much of what happened popularly in the 80s and then what became what ultimately grew up to be more taken seriously alternative for lack of a better word indie music in the 2000s and beyond it's like velvet underground craft work right just two bands that you don't have to like them there's but just you're gonna damn well respect they them. are the seed that was planted in the ground that grew an orchard that's right that and and i would actually further the the comparison Velvet Underground, I go, well, I go six or seven songs at least on Velvet Underground. Craftwork, it's more like two, but it compared to the Kraut, uh, the Kraut rock stuff like Noi, I love Audubon. I think Audubon, it does sound like Revenge of the Nerds. No, but it's great. But it's, it's a great. really, it, it is but a it good song. But it was before the Nerds, though. You know what I mean? Way before so, the Nerds. And yeah. the fact that they were running, uh, robots out on stage to perform like that That's was insane. that was still a cool shtick of course, of for, course that was a cutting edge stick for daft punk 40 years later absolutely to be running robots out there devo kind of took that yeah, thing and ran sure. with it uh, sure. gary newman obviously was gigantic so like no doubt anything that inspires a genre yeah you have to you have to sort of bow at the altar yeah you know what i mean and yeah. that's what that's what velvet underground did whether you like them or not mm-hmm. and that's certainly what Kraftwerk did and new york dolls we mentioned earlier you gotta yes. you gotta you know you gotta even say that ironically their influence was way bigger than any of their music is if that makes any sense yeah that's 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 fair. There's no huge um, Kraftwerk song in the culture. There's no huge New York Dolls song in the culture. I mean, Velvet Underground. It's it's heroin. Yeah, or, or you know, rock and roll, or you know, or but yeah, but no. But that point. The point is, that we even have to rack our brain a little bit. You, Just goes you, you know to show. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do the cramps fit into all of this? The cramps never spoke to me. Yeah, now they're agreed. a band from. Uh, they're from. They're an East Coast band. Are they? Let's see. I'm almost positive they're from they were from Maryland or something. I'm not sure. I always just loved the idea of well, the idea of the cramps and what what are the members of the band? Lux Interior. Lux Interior. Poison is Ivy. The singer Poison Ivy's in the band. They're they're. Um, I wanted to love them. Yeah. Like they had a rockabilly edge. They played silver uh, sparkle Gretsch guitars. Yeah. Yeah. They looked cool. They he kind of had the Iggy Pop shirt off sort of frontman personality. I just. Did their music to me just it wasn't listenable just to me 
I don't mean to disrespect no, anybody's taste out there. They're it from, just didn't speak to me, I should say. No, agreed. They're from New York, New York. I did not know. Um, Poison Ivy's full name, Poison Ivy Rorschach. She might have changed it. I'm getting the feeling when she got older. but. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I also didn't know. So here's, I think this is pretty much, most people would agree, the signature cramp song is Goo Goo Muck. Yeah, the Goo Goo Muck. Yeah, right, okay. song I know. Which goes like this. If I go into a dive bar during the day, not at night, and that's playing, I still feel like this is a place I want to have a beer. Oh, me too. I'm not mad at it all. And yeah. I, I appreciate their curation of playlist for sure. But I'm not going to hang my hat on that, which I tried to do. I like Goo Goo Muck. There wasn't anything else that really grabbed me after that. And they're really dancing in the B-52s lane right there on that, especially at that time. That's fair. That's fair. I wouldn't have thought of that. Did we know? Did you know that song is a cover? I did not know that. Yeah, check out the original, like half their first album. Is cover songs? Yeah. Check out Ronnie Cook. You'd better duck when I show up the goo goo muck. I'm the ninth head hunter looking for a The unfortunately named Ronnie Cook and the Gay Lads. Wow. Yeah. Must have been from England, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't know where they were. I don't know where they're from, but but yeah. So the the cramps thing. I guess I would have realized that they were sort of doing a revivalist thing. I didn't realize the extent to which they were really reviving a very specific. Okay. A kitschy one-hit right. wonder purple polka dot eater thing For with sure. a punk rock layer of yeah. New York downtown coolness. Right. The thing that I don't think I would have guessed or that I definitely didn't realize is that I knew they were a kitschy revival. I didn't know they were a kitschy revival of something that was already kitschy to begin, to begin with. with. They did exactly. not introduce the kitsch. No, They merely no. revived They it. were just fans of it and they're the kind of people that go to the, the thrift stores and oh, buy yeah. all the candies and you, uh, buy all the, you know, the tchotchkes in their, in their home. Yep. Is Lux interior, oh, you're not, you're, you're on your cramps? Yeah, oh no, I think I, I'm, yeah, that's going to be my homepage now, the, <laughs> the cramps' <is> Wikipedia <laughs> page. You want to know, you want to know what Lux is up to these Lux days? Lux is alive. Let's see. Lux passed. passed in 2009. Yeah, there we go. This is, I gotta uh, update my uh, those who are no longer with us list. He he stuck around. And this this today's world is not for Lux Interior. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it certainly is not. Uh, where are you on Eki, Echo and the Bunnymen? I am a huge Echo and the Bunnymen fan. Okay, another K Rock yep. delivery system sure. by far. So I go deep catalog, mm -hmm. deep deep deep. And Ian McCullough as a songwriter is untouchable. Wrote some of those beautiful songs I've ever heard. You know, The Killing Moon. Yes. Um, the Cutter, one of my all-time favorite songs. Is that mm -hmm. is this Cutter? Was a Cutter? Which which album is coming right We're now? We're talking about Heaven Up Here. Oh, Heaven Up Here. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and so is this maybe a little bit before it's two years before the Cutter or not? When they yeah. So, but Imakala in the UK mm -hmm. is welcomed among the pantheon of right. Paul McCartney's, Paul Weller's as a songwriter. Yeah. Never, you know, they, they had a couple of hits here that, you know, that, that, that's like it. sugar. Looks like sugar. Boy, yeah. they, I think them and the cure got together and said, listen, 
we need to make some money and we need to break through the top 40 in America. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the most pop producer we can get? Lips Like Sugar. And then, you know, they, the Cure had uh, In Between Days and it was over. Um, but uh, a huge fan. And I, I've always appreciated that band. So let's check out the single from, I think this is the big single off of Heaven Up Here, relatively speaking, A Promise. You know that zombie dance that people did at that point in the early 80s where you kind of sway from side to side <laughs> and act like no other part of your body had totally, any muscle impulse? Totally. <laughs> Just, you lost all motor skills when you heard 80s indie. <laughs> right. It made you like a... The like one a, we were doing when we were sitting here? Yes. Yeah, made so you I like do. a bookish zombie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting uh, recording... And boy, that post-punk thing was so big, mm-hmm. and so would, would learn would soon to be so influential. Because I hear the Cure on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear Ed should be getting copyrights for everybody's Echo guitar. You know what I mean? For sure. Coldplay should still be paying the. I mean, Edge. I mean, in terms of influential guitar players, I, for a longer period of time, is there one that's been more influential than the Edge? Yeah. And you're still hearing that drive and bass thing would be very prominent in Cure songs, New Order songs. So. This is Echo and the Bunnymen finding their way. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, you know, yep. Uh, uh, Ian McCullough's voice mixed way too high and way too effective. The promise! You know, yeah. it was like, he learned to bring it down a little bit. They became better songwriters. And, you know, as we were going to find out, the rest would be history for that band. It's funny, though, because when they get to the chorus, you're listening and you're going, oh, the, 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 the ingredients are there, but nobody's figured out how to cook the dish yet. That's and then, exactly right. And then you get to the chorus. You go, oh, no, there that's it is. Right. That's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. That's right. And, that's and then when they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll bump Boris, get to the chorus. You know, they'll, they'll, and they gelled more as a band because they toured that record. And then you get better and you get better as a songwriter and musician. And then, then you get the, you know, the yep. cutter was coming. So there's just a couple of relatively speaking oddities that i want to talk about remaining yeah i actually for some godforsaken reason went and spent some time with um grace jones's musical career i would never think to do that yeah but now i want to do that she's well you'll be disappointed she's so fucking cool and iconic and she's just like this human embodiment of individuality and cool and strength and sexuality and i'm i I love the idea of grace jones and i hate that i can't get behind grace jones's musical output because where she's living in 81 somebody who can effortlessly move between the punk world and the disco world and she can go wherever the hell and the catwalks of paris wherever the hell she wants and nobody's calling her a sellout or a trend spot or wherever she she is that's the place to she be she is yeah Strong exactly J. yeah and i'm pretty sure the song off of the album night clubbing is demolition man and it sounds like this Of your picking, you say that they 
Well, I think that at the core of it all, you can be the most charismatic, amazing, empowered, sexual dynamo in the world. But if you cannot really sing, yeah. there's going to be a problem getting over in terms of a song. Because at the end of the day, you still need to hear something that, that appeals to the ears and the yeah. eardrums. If you're right. looking for commercial success. Now, Grace Jones in the 90s with the uh, addition of Pro Tools might have had a different uh, career trajectory. She might have been like 10 years too early. Mm. Well, I, I think there's always been a place in music for people who can't sing. She had just like, not... Like, she had like a Nina Hagen to me. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But... Dude, if you're listening to that on Spotify, it's going to be telling you that next thing you want to listen to is Yoko Ono. Yeah, exactly. And, and Nina Hagen's not too far behind. Right. And, and then... But, but I don't think the people that signed Grace Jones were looking for an indie artist that's, you know, dissonant and unlistenable. Because no. she, because uh, she was this charismatic being. She had star power. She was a superstar. Yeah, you yeah. know, and she never had a hit. And she had a lot of chances. Yeah, she did. I just recently watched the Eddie Murphy movie, uh, Boomerang. Boomerang. For yeah, the first time. she's Strange. Yeah, it's just great because it's she's just, just hey, Grace she owns Jones, that movie. Just go be Grace Jones. And, and, and look, at she's like clowning Eddie Murphy, yeah. Halle Berry's, and she's just a, such a force over them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and she's making fun of herself. Which exactly. You, you love somebody like that. It, it's fun when they don't have a sense of humor about themselves, but ultimately, it's more fun when they are, are it, in exactly. on the joke. And she was very much in on the joke. Okay, now speaking of people who got a lot of musical chances but didn't have any discernible musical talent at a completely different end of the spectrum, I gather 1981 is the high water mark of whatever music career Latoya Jackson mm. was to have. Mm, mm, mm. And there's one or two singles off of this record that I think did a tiny little bit of top 20, top 30 kind of damage. And it's what you would think. It's harmless um uh disposable pop breathy music. vocals right, right exactly yeah. <laughs> breathy the last yeah, record and by the way janet doesn't vocally bring very much to the table and i'm a nope. bit and I, I, it's, as time goes on i become more and more a fan look at janet jackson's 20th biggest song oh yeah no it's a fucking hit no without a doubt you, you can go 40 and janet jackson exactly sure. exactly and they're good mariah carey more than michael to be honest with you that's interesting. Okay, we're gonna have to do yeah, this. Gonna, that's, that's this is good, gonna be this is gonna be some one. serious homework, but I, I will I will enjoy the the heck out of that. So, a very young, I think, still teenaged Janet is a vocal contributor, maybe even a songwriting contributor to this song that I I gather in the cult of the Jackson people. This is the song that kind of stuck because it's at least a fun little Will I know it? oddity. I don't think you're going to know this. I didn't know any song off of My Special Love from LaToya Jackson. I definitely did not know Camp Coochie Kayai. No. Yeah, let's see. And this was I prepped this a while ago. I thought this was fun. I may live to regret having this <laughs> shortly. That's about as good as it's going to get. Nothing wrong with that. It's fun. I like the feel of it. Yeah. And she can sing a lot better than I thought. She's holding notes and stuff. Yeah. I, don't know. Been... I did Celebrity Princess with her. And she was such a sweet, lovely, wonderful human being. Okay. Couldn't have been kinder. 
Yeah, it made me feel like I was listening to the Love Boat. I, there like, is that. There is a feel. It, it's got a girl is mine feel to it. It does. The goddamn girl is mine. You're right. It does. You know? It does. And I, I would did an opening at the Hard Rock uh, Northern Indiana Hard Rock Casino Northern Indiana on uh, Friday night, mm-hmm. and uh, Marlon and Tito Jackson were there. You'll be happy to know because it's in Gary, Indiana. Oh, and of course they're from. Of course, there, so, of course. Um, I can't say I'm familiar with Marlon. That's another thing that I want to do is to compare the non-Janet, the Jermaine, the Jackies, the, the, the non, uh, yeah, the non-Janet. Who had the biggest hit of the non-Jacksons we know? And just who had the best song out of the two non-non-real? I think Jackson. Jermaine's going to win that one. I would assume so. Jermaine had a he had a, a couple. Of, he had real hits. Despite Top never ten. having really had that, I've heard a, a very good song. He no. just kind of checked all the boxes. A, he's he's a he's a Jackson. He dances. He Michael's does, huge. We're thirsty he, for anything Jackson. He does related. the press. Maybe he'll yeah. wear the glove. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Two more. Uh, Frank Zappa. Never spoke to me, Frank Zappa. No, me neither. You me know? neither. Although, here's the thing. Steve Vai was hot shit when I first picked up a guitar, and so I and my guitar instructor was all about Steve Vai. So not only did I get into Passion of Warfare, which was his big solo, his uh-huh. his statement album that had just come out right when I got my guitar, I also got into Flexible, which is another solo album he had pretty much self-released a few years before that, a much more humble and idiosyncratic effort that he had made very shortly after leaving the Frank Zappa band. So when I go listen to the Zappa stuff now, I go, oh, oh I... No. I get the Vi thing right. in a major way. So Zappa was impossibly prolific. So many records. And he put out, uh, I've heard of these, which makes them among the bigger Frank Zappa things. He put out a series of albums called Shut Up and Play Your Guitar. And I've heard that too, yeah. Exactly. Son of Shut Up and Play Your Guitar. So I, I'm just going to pick the first one. It, it's called Shut Up and Play Your Guitar. I'll shut up. just goes on like that for about seven albums i think if i liked frank zappa's music frank zappa would think he did it wrong does that make sense to you his avant-garde i'm so musician musically worthy you don't you know what i mean yeah like i am the last person like put this way frank zappa did his job musically right that i'm not a big fan of it the irony is he's six months away from his biggest hit delivered by moon unit zappa yeah valley girl that's right that's exactly right and that that's crazy if it's i were insane. if i were to play that yeah that is insane uh i mean the endurance of his didn't his other son end up uh like, dweezil well do we amit and yeah i and bought dweezil's record yeah well it was a great one yeah what was the name of that song remember he had a he had a green steve's eye uh, steve i guitar and he played it and he ripped in 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 the video uh we're going to shut Zappa? up stupid something stupid wasn't stupid. Don't be stupid. Or was that a thing where um, he did that with his his brother? He I don't know if he did. It was a Dweezil's Apple record. It was on MTV for a little bit. It was something. Shut up, stupid, or you're stupid. And it kept on stopping. Go, you're stupid. And, and you start ripping. I uh, his his uh, iTunes is real 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 tough I, I guess did he play on a version of goodbye to romance yeah lisa loeb recorded goodbye to romance featuring dweezil zappa i think they may have dated uh yeah. that kind of yeah. 
Does it that ring a bell? That rings a bell, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Dweezil's, Dweezil's, Dweezil's fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he goes out and does like some uh, Zappa does Zappa he does, thing, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it does great business. And, sure. and I know he and Amit got in a big fight about it. So uh, Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, the family a big little family feud is uh, torn, money and trademarks are want to do. Torn apart over the legacy. And finally, brand new in May of 1981, at this point, they were known as lips ah and they released one album under that name before switching their name to anvil and of course you've seen the anvil documentary right? oh it's uh you know it's untouchable i heard they're making another one. Oh yeah yeah so many unanswered questions from the first <laughs> i guess so <laughs> <laughs> it's about the ascent back up and then back down again yeah exactly this the song i think off of the Lips album Hard and Heavy is a song entitled ACDC. Well, yeah. listen, when you wear your uh, influences on your sleeve, you might as well <laughs> put them on your title, too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. He, he, in, the, in the documentary, he's confused how, like, they weren't so big when he I used know. to play his guitar with the dildo. That was his, like, like can't you see what I'm doing here? I'm yeah, performing with the dildo on my, and, and for some reason it was lost on us. Uh, yeah, know, I know. On, 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 unappreciative on us. Future generations will fully appreciate yeah. Anvil. This is what they were doing in 81. And a riff that loudness would soon use on rock and roll crazy night. Right, 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 right. Gunk, 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 you know. So uh, before you know, they, the- they, they, I could see why they would have been an influence on a lot of bands. You know, I mean, they really, I mean, metal on metal and all that stuff. It's uh, the documentary. If you haven't seen it, yeah, yeah. we've all seen. It. Watch fine. it again. It's worth a second watch, by the way. Just that stuff was so basic that I, I think. In terms of who is who was influenced and who deserved what, you kind of need to look at the new releases in in in, in the chronology of like months. You're because if, true. If, if if that was nine months before blah 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 did it, then before crew did it, or, yeah, then, yeah, exactly. But you're if right. it was three months after, then they were shameless ripoff. Artists. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, all in all, life provided a relatively soft landing to Anvil. <laughs> I would say. Listen, they got to uh, look good. They they got a chance no one else did. They got to make it after their fifties. You know what I mean? I and, and play music for a living. Yep, yep, yep. Now that that documentary was about oh poor Anvil, mm-hmm. and it turned into this wonderful career resurgence, and they're still living off it today and playing music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And they probably lips. can for just about as long as they care to. Right. Uh, elsewhere this month in eighty one, we didn't talk about. Uh, you recently, t- Marty Balin, Marty Balin, the Jefferson. Marty Balin. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a record, Split Ends. Is everything all right? Hearts. Was that Hearts? That's Hearts. Right? Yeah, it's, it's You're good. Amazing song. Uh, yeah, Split Split Ends, ends. I Got You. Uh, History Never Repeats or One Step Ahead. Now, Split Ends mm-hmm. became Crowded oh. House. Ah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. New yeah. Zealand's Finest. Without a ton of competition. 
No, but I, you know, I mean, just just shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to New Zealand. All right, well, that's everything that I've got. And Serbi uh, Shoe in the. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for joining us in person. So nice to see you, dude. Really, this is uh, it's the way to do this thing. Yeah, I know. Much better, much better. Let's keep this up. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, markmcgrath.com for all of your Mark McGrath needs. That's right. And you can me up at Mark underscore McGrath on Twitter. I love hearing from you guys. And I know uh, there's a select few that, that uh, love to hear your opinions and uh, how the show, and we appreciate it. 